The year is 2012, and Father Jim Wayner has a new assignment. He's been appointed rector of Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans, Louisiana, a few miles from the French Quarter. Father Jim remembers experiencing something he can only describe as culture shock those first few months in his new post. He isn't from New Orleans, and until his assignment, he had never really spent any time in the South. He was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Pittsburgh in 1995, and had split most of his time since then between Pittsburgh and Ohio. The weather in New Orleans was different. I'm used to four seasons. They only have two. It's, it's perpetually spring or summer. Now, they would like to say that there are four seasons, but uh, if it gets below 40 degrees, they consider that winter. Now, where I'm from, you know, it's going to be below 10. The food was different, too. Creole and Cajun food is daily cuisine at the seminary. Uh, so that, that was a positive culture shock. But the most jarring cultural experience was... Well, I'll let Father Jim explain. I'm, I'm the new rector here, okay, and Notre Dame Seminary is accredited like any other higher institution of learning, okay, so we offer degrees and everything. Well, we were about to prepare for our, our, our review our, from the accreditation agencies, and we were realizing that were we meeting all of the, the classroom days and times that's required, well, we were we were falling short just a little bit, so I'm looking at the calendar, and I see that we're off on the Monday and Tuesday before Mardi Gras, Lundi Gras and Mardi Gras. And I'm not real. This is all the way back in the fall. So I said, well, rather than being off those two days, you know, why don't we just have class? Well, the whole faculty starts – they think I'm joking. The whole faculty starts laughing. And so then I start laughing as if I did tell a joke, which I was not – why are seminarians participating in Mardi Gras events? Isn't this pagan and secular? I was prejudging what I thought Mardi Gras was, which is debauchery, uh, just heavy drinking, drugs, just uh, you know, immorality. And that maybe is what a lot of people who aren't from here, the tourists or outsiders, you know, voodoo, that would have all of this perception of what Mardi Gras is. And there is an element of that that would be maybe more expressed in the tourist parts of the city, but that was completely not the case. I mean, I fell in love with with the city and, and the culture, the history, and and certainly Mardi Gras. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. My name is Kate Oliveira, and I'm your host this week. Mardi Gras was always something I sort of forgot about when I was growing up. I would usually remember or be reminded the day of, and then I'd spend the day frantically grabbing at all the sweets I could get my hands on. It was always just that one day, and it always seemed to be over faster than it began. I'd wake up on Ash Wednesday with a stomach ache. But down in Louisiana, Mardi Gras isn't just one day. It's an entire season. And it's about way more than overindulgence. This week, we talk with a few priests and a Catholic author in Louisiana about the Mardi Gras they love and celebrate, and its Catholic roots. CNA's Peter Zelasko has this story. The Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans is closed the Friday before Mardi Gras until Ash Wednesday. 
but Mardi Gras actually begins much earlier, on the Feast of the Epiphany, traditionally celebrated January 6th. It's a season. It's a whole season, Mardi Gras. This is Earl Higgins. He's a Catholic author born and raised in the Big Easy, and he takes a lot of pride in his city and its Catholic traditions. So much so that in 2007, he published a book about it called The Joy of Yat Catholicism. You know, yet. You know, it's the contraction of where are you at, you know, which is, uh, you know, the, 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 the patois of, of uh, New Orleans. Where you at? It's a greeting rather than an inquiry. Just like, how are you? You get it. Now back to Mardi Gras. When we speak of Mardi Gras, it covers not just, of course, the day itself, but the whole season and the attitude surrounding that. The, the traditional day of the Epiphany, which is January 6th, that's, that's the 12th day after Christmas, another 12 days of Christmas. So we sh shift from the Christmas season to that is the beginning of the carnival season, Mardi Gras. January 6th carries extra significance because it is also the birthday of St. Joan of Arc, the Maid of Orleans. One of the first parades of the Mardi Gras season is hosted by a group of women known as the Crew de Jeanne d'Arc. The parade passes through the French Quarter, beginning at the foot of the statue of St. Joan of Arc, gifted to the city by the town of Orleans in north-central France. There is actually uh, a procession, not, not a liturgical procession, a, um, or a festival procession that goes from her statue to the cathedral. This is Father Jim again. And the rector of the cathedral is waiting, and, and the person who's dressed up on a horse uh, as St. Joan of Arc you know, reaches out the lance, and then he, the rector, sort of blesses it, and that's become the informal, unofficial start to Mardi Gras. January 6th is also the day New Orleanians traditionally eat their first king cake of the season. We call it galette du roi. In French, galette du roi, the king cake. And that is a traditional confection, and again, that, that tradition comes from France. This is Father Keenan Brown. He's a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette in southern Louisiana. Lafayette is about a two-hour drive northwest from New Orleans, but the city has a lot of the same Mardi Gras traditions. Traditionally, it's a brioche. It's a brioche batter that's braided um, and, and baked, and it's, it's topped with the, this kind of really sweet glaze in the, in the three colors and sometimes sprinkles. And um, but now we have all kinds of king cake now. So you you have them now where they're stuffed with uh, cream cheese and all kinds of different different dessert type theme. It makes it very very interesting. <laughs> I can tell you, my favorite is from a, a Cuban bakery because they fill it with uh, guava and cream cheese. Absolutely delicious. King cake is decorated with the colors of the Mardi Gras season, green, gold, and violet, representing the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that tradition holds the three kings brought to the baby Jesus. And uh, originally it had some sort of token in it, or a, a, a bean, or a piece of jewelry, or something like that. But eventually in New Orleans it became these, these small, tiny plastic dolls that are embedded in the cake. It represents the baby Jesus. When you when you cut the king cake, the one who finds the the baby Jesus is the king, <laughs> and and so you have to throw the next party and and buy the next king cake um, for the party. That's going more towards the New Orleans way of doing it, but it's it's sort of widespread through all of South Louisiana. 
Earl told me it's typical to have a party each week during the Mardi Gras season with king cake. So depending on where Lent falls in the liturgical season, it can turn into a lot of cake. Like if Mardi Gras falls in early March, as it does sometimes, so you've got almost two months of king cakes, you can get pretty fat eating king cakes. From Epiphany to Ash Wednesday, the city of New Orleans and many other cities and towns in southern Louisiana light up with masquerade balls and, of course, parades. These parades uh, each have their own name, and those who uh, participate in the parades uh, are families. This goes back generations, even centuries. This is Father Jim again. He's been rector at Notre Dame Seminary for nine years now, and by now, he knows the parade schedule like a local. These parades always run on the same day and on the same time. So everyone in the city refers to the parade and not the day, because everybody knows that Endymion always runs on the Saturday before they crawl, starting at 4 o'clock. I mean, that's just how everyone identifies those couple of weeks before Ash Wednesday. Here's Earl. The real parading starts two weekends before before Mardi Gras, and then starting on Wednesday, which is a week before Ash Wednesday, there are nightly parades, several of them every night, sometimes three or four following each other, and they get bigger and um, more elaborate, and uh, uh, some of them are very, very satirical, and some, some are quite, quite beautiful, the floats. So this goes on through the weekend rightly before Mardi Gras. So you essentially you have almost constant parading starting about 11 o'clock in the morning until, you know, 10 or, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, every day. <laughs> Notre Dame Seminary sits along the path of Endymion, the largest Mardi Gras parade that runs through the city of New Orleans on the Saturday before Fat Tuesday. Leading up to this, you the, the custom here, and everyone respects it, several days before each parade, you can reserve your spot, and if you do it the right way, no one will confiscate it. So it's, it's a, uh, a gentleman's agreement, and it's spray paint and tape. Okay. Another rule, you have to man your own spot 24 hours before the start of the parade. Otherwise, spray paint and tape won't help you. Your spot will be fair game. So what, what, what does this all mean? So for two days before Endymion, the seminarians will sleep out during the night and we will protect our spot that we have spray painted. Now, what are we doing while we're doing this? We're praying, we're doing the rosary. I do a sunrise mass. Father Jim and the seminarians at Notre Dame have been doing this for so long that people will come to join them for morning mass, even if they're not going to watch the parade. And so people are very, very respectful of the fact that we're doing this. And of course, we're in our collars, you know, and we're not embarrassed of who we are. And matter of fact, right next to us is a fraternity. <laughs> so these kids, these college kids are right next to us. And we've now got to know them over the last, we've been doing this now for eight years. So we're evangelizing, literally, because they're doing what fraternity people do. <laughs> and, you know, we're playing cards and we're chanting our prayers. And and it's and for the seminarians, I mean, this is, you know, there it is. This is perfect time for evangelization. 
One parade Earl never misses takes place on the Sunday morning before Mardi Gras. It's so popular that a Catholic church that sits on the parade's route actually pushes its regular Sunday mass up by 30 minutes so Catholics can watch the parade pass by right after mass. So to, to accommodate the day and to make it even more festive, there is a jazz band playing during mass. You cannot separate music, culture, Catholicism in New Orleans, especially not around Mardi Gras. So this is, this is a very, very festive mass, and everybody's all excited, and, and the band is playing. So when mass is over, people are out on the street, and here comes the parade. It's a great, great day. One of the last parades of Mardi Gras traditionally begins first thing Tuesday morning. I'm talking about before dawn. A group called the Skull and Bones Gang runs through the Treme neighborhood of New Orleans dressed as skeletons. They, they go around and knock on the doors at, at 5 o'clock in the morning and so on. Wake up, wake up. You don't, you don't know how much time you have left. <laughs> it's to remind people, hey, life is short. Get up and party. <laughs> then, let's see, at, at 8 o'clock is the crew of Zulu. Following them... On, on St. Joe's Avenue is the parade of carnival, Rex, for king. He's the king of carnival. And these are an organization of, of essentially wealthy fat cats. Their motto is pro bono publico, for the public good, because they do a lot of generous work, and they're providing this uh, beautiful, beautiful parade for the, uh, for the public. And then following Rex are probably a couple of hundred trucks, flatbed trucks decorated as floats by individual neighborhood carnival groups. And meanwhile, there's all kinds of kinds of partying and uh, celebrations and costume contests going on uh, uh, in the French Quarter. The French Quarter gets pretty saturated with tourists, and those tourists bring their own ways of celebrating Mardi Gras. The French Quarter is not a place where you want to want to bring your your aunt Maud or uh, or any, anybody with any um, shall we say social sensibility because it's pretty raunchy. The partying continues until midnight, when yet another great New Orleans Mardi Gras ritual takes place: cleanup. At one end of, of Bourbon Street, the police line up. the The chief of police is usually at the head of the procession, and there are policemen on, on horses and they have dogs, and they have bullhorns. All right, clear the street, Mardi Gras is over. Clear the street. Right behind the, 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 the police are the, the cleanup crews. And that marks at midnight, Mardi Gras is over. Get off the street, we're cleaning it up. When I was a child, um, we, we were very aware that when midnight hit, <laughs> party's over. <laughs> And the next day, everybody goes to Ash Wednesday, and everyone goes in for the ashes to begin the penitential season. Now, the funny thing about that is um, not not just Catholics go get ashes; everybody comes get ashes. <laughs> I've heard I've heard of I've heard of Jews going get ashes at the cathedral, and all that, you know, because it's I mean it's it's just cultural. For some people, it's very cultural. I remember a pastor who came to, to uh, my church many, many years ago from out of town. He was a Dominican priest from, I think he was from Chicago or someplace like that. 
He says he was amazed at at the piety of the people in New Orleans, and and the rest of us would kind of look around. What's this guy talking about? <laughs> and the the churches are packed on Ash Wednesday in New Orleans, and by by many many people who are not only not Catholic, probably don't believe in anything, but part of the ritual of being in New Orleans is to get ashes on Ash Wednesday. You know, that's what that's what you do. Yeah. After the break, Mardi Gras has a lot of connotations, and not all of them are good. We talk about how Catholics can approach Mardi Gras. Stay with us. This is Michelle LaRosa, Deputy Editor-in-Chief at CNA. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life. I work for Catholic News Agency. But I have certainly not exhausted the richness of the Catholic faith. I like CNA Newsroom because it allows me to continue learning new things about the Catholic world, from inspiring stories of modern-day saints, to a look at where the Palm Sunday palms come from, to the ethical considerations surrounding vegetarianism. There's always something new to learn, something interesting to reflect on and discuss. If you're interested in learning more about the Catholic world from all kinds of different perspectives, CNA Newsroom is the podcast for you. Subscribe to CNA Newsroom on your favorite podcast app, so you'll never miss an episode. Each episode will be delivered straight to your phone. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Now, back to the episode. Tradition runs deep in New Orleans, especially when it comes to Mardi Gras, and these traditions have a Catholic flavor that is accepted and celebrated by everyone, even non-Catholics. Here again is Earl. In New Orleans, the culture and Catholicism are inextricably intertwined. You cannot imagine New Orleans without the Catholic Church. It's just part of of the history and the culture, and it, it affects everybody. My uh, my closest friend from law school is a Jew, and he was also a uh, New Orleans native. He he made the comment. He says in New Orleans, he says everything is so Catholic in New Orleans. He says even the Jews are Catholic. Everything that that we do uh, has that sort of Catholic flavor to it. This is Father Patrick Broussard. He's vocations director in the Diocese of Lafayette and a pastor of a parish in the town of Church Point. Father Patrick grew up in Lafayette, and he remembers going to parades with his family when he was a child. When he moved to Church Point for his latest assignment, he saw an entirely different celebration of Mardi Gras from what he was used to. Um, so they have uh, what's called the Courier de Mardi Gras. They start early in the morning, the riders. They ride on horseback. They're dressed in traditional um raggy costumes with the capuchon, which is a pointy hat and mask and everything. This is Father Keenan from earlier in the episode. Father Keenan's first assignment as a priest was in the country, and it was his first experience of the Courier de Mardi Gras. This is a more of a country Mardi Gras and a kind of celebration that, as far as I know, goes back to medieval France. Um, 
the riders uh, are in, in groups and led by a capitaine, a captain, who usually whips them into shape and helps them to behave because they get a little rowdy because they've been drinking since early. But in the country, they go from house to house and they they, they go begging. Um, we say, ils sont appelés quémandés, they're begging. And they're, you know, they go to ask the lady of the house for a cup of rice or or some some kind of ingredient. In order to get it, they have to do some kind of trick on the horse or dance a jig or something. And at the end of the day, there's a chicken that uh, that is let loose, a rooster that's let loose, and the men have to chase it. Now, mind you, they've been drinking all day too. Traditionally, that chicken goes into the the, the big gumbo that's shared at the end when everybody gets to eat. So it's very, very different than, uh, than the city sort of parade uh, thing that I grew up with. But uh, it's it's fascinating. I love it. Father Patrick said he doesn't really miss the parades he grew up with. He actually never really cared for the Mardi Gras traditions in general until he moved away for a time to study in Rome. Just being so far removed from, you know, home, uh, I realized uh, how special South Louisiana is in a number of ways. Just seeing how ingrained the Catholic life is in people, even if they don't practice it or don't appreciate it. Earl compared it to the popular devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. Mardi Gras has always been a mixture, at least in New Orleans, a mixture of, uh, you know, secular and religious. You know, and, and in a way, it's like it's like uh, like a Lady of Guadalupe um, in Mexico. That's just part of their culture. You know, whether whether people believe in whatever they believe in, they believe in in uh, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe. You know, and uh, because that's just who they are. That's uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Father Jim was scandalized when he first heard that his seminarians got time off to join in Mardi Gras celebrations. But by now, he's learned Mardi Gras isn't something to be afraid of. It can be if you're in the wrong places, in the wrong spaces, in the wrong times. Uh, but that's really not the practice when you're with uh, parishes. You know, the different local parishes have their parishioners at different parts of the parade route. And it's an all-day cooking out and, and these types of things. Plus, it can be a great opportunity to evangelize. Here again is Father Patrick. We have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And so, you know, if you think of Mardi Gras in New Orleans, you know, you think of all the kind of scandal and, and craziness that goes on with it. But there is a lot of good in it, too. And the same thing in the country. Uh, a lot of people will drink too much and get crazy and, you know, do what they do. But I think just to say, well, we should not do Mardi Gras, um, which is a temptation for me, right? Just let's get rid of it. Um, I think that would be a mistake because there is so much good tied up in it. I always preach to the seminarians, the Catholic Church is not countercultural. We can be counter-societal. Culture is an expression of God's design. So we will critique anything that tears down what God wants. Society is what man produces. Culture is an expression of God's providence. So we are not counterculture. We're, we're all about culture. We're about promoting it. And at the heart of that is life. It's, it's family, you know, and 
And we Catholics know how to celebrate life very well, you know, with festivals and food and family. Um, you know, that's a part of our tradition, even tied into the saints. You, you go to uh, various parts of the world where the whole town is celebrating that saint that, that came from their neighborhood, and it, it turns into a festival. I think Mardi Gras is the same way. We've just come from the Christmas season, and in between this, before we, we move into the Latin season, uh, we're celebrating uh, the gospel that can evangelize culture. And when that happens, everybody wins, even if you're not Catholic. You know, And, and you could see that here in New Orleans, which has its own, like any culture, it has its, a lot of its issues and problems. But when, it, when the Christian faith speaks to it, you, you see the best of, of people. Mardi Gras in New Orleans has been canceled only a handful of times during the First and Second World War and in 1918 during the Spanish flu pandemic. This year will be added to the list. The mayor of New Orleans canceled Mardi Gras celebrations because of the coronavirus pandemic. Even with the cancellation, seminarians at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans will still get the days off. And Father Jim said they're planning their own makeshift Mardi Gras. A number of the guys here have pickup trucks. So they're going to uh, do a little contest and competition of making their own floats, you know, uh, and sort of doing our own. Behind the seminary, there's some oak trees and sort of doing our own little parade. We have a nursing home behind us, a Catholic nursing home. And we're going to invite if they want to come out in their wheelchairs and with social distancing and Maybe we'll do a little, they throw beads at, you know, these parades down here, uh, they're called throws. So each parade throws whatever their thing is going to be that year. They all throw beads. So that, that's a part of the, um, the custom. So we're going to do something like that. Because again, the whole point of Mardi Gras, uh, one of the points is to promote community. You know, if, if it's from the neighborhood, from the city, from the church, so that, this will be a chance for us here to step out of the academic world for a few days and just have some really strong community building. And isn't that what a pastor does, you know, through the sacramental spiritual life of the church? We're building up parish communities, and that can involve good social, you know, encounters. So that's we'll model that here a little bit for those days here. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Peter Zalasko. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. My name is Kate Oliveira, and I've been your host this week. I produce and edit this show with the help of our assistant producer, Jonah McKeown. A very special thanks to Father Jim, Father Patrick, Father Keenan, and Earl, of course, and to CNA's Peter Zalasco. If you're a fan of this podcast, please subscribe if you haven't already, and tell your friends and family about us. Happy Mardi Gras, everybody.